I'm Gab. He's Jules. Gray skies over West London. Uh, Jules, I imagine grayer skies still Ooh. over Barcelona right now. We're going to get into that epic game between exactly. Barcelona and Inter. We're going to round up all the other uh, Champions League situations. Napoli and Bayern still perfect. Bruges yet to concede a oh, goal. Yeah. Uh, er- Erling Holland, and I did borrow this from Craig Burley. Uh, he didn't play in the week because I think they just plugged him in to a giant charger and he's recharging <laughs> it over the weekend, of course, yes. with Liverpool playing Man City. Um but let's get into this because this was one of those games where Barcelona against Inter, you know, was going to effectively decide second place, yeah. at, at least on paper. Now, there are permutations. Um, this is a game that Barcelona pretty much needed to win to be able to control their own destiny. It finished 3-3. It was a tremendous game. Yeah, that second half, we saw we saw mistakes, but we also saw a lot of quality. It was just so engrossing. Some people suggesting this might be one of the greatest Champions League group games ever. Um I want to get from you. I'll, I'll tell you how, how how I saw the the two teams approaching it, and then you can tell me if you agree and who got it right and who got it wrong. Simone Inzaghi did something that was kind of unnatural for him, which was, all right, we're going to go here to defend. Um, and he set up that way. We're going to try to defend. We're going to hit on the counter. We may not be entirely equipped with it because obviously Jacob's not so quick and whatever. But without Brozovic, without Lukaku, we're not even going to think about going here That's and imposing right. ourselves. So shades of... The Mourinho Barcelona, the Mourinho Barcelona game, right? Xavi approached this as we're going to play possession. The little fellas, Pedri, Gavi, moving the ball around, Rafinha, and we're just going to take the game to them, and and we'll get a goal at some point because we're the better team. Yeah, I think that was about it. This is what we expected as well. I don't think that Inter could have played very differently, and I think that was the most efficient way for them to try to set up and then. And then try to put on a special performance, which in the end they did. Although that first half, when Barca took the lead, just before the break, Usman Dembele, Mkhitaryan forget Sergio Roberto, it's a good goal. Before that, Inter had big chances. Testegen, and they hit the woodwork, and Testegen had to make big save as well. But then you thought, okay, this is it now. Barca took the lead against a team that was set up to defend and to not concede. So now the second half should be controlled by Barcelona, they have the players for it. And that's where I was the most disappointed, Gav, is that when they took the lead at home, at the end of that first half, I really expected Barca in the second in the second half to just control it completely, control possession, control the rhythm of the game, most importantly, so yeah. don't let yourself exposed, don't let Inter hit you on the counter, don't be stupid. And yeah, it was, they did the complete opposite. Yeah, I, I, I think there was a pretty shocking lack of maturity Completely. to the way they played, which is surprising when, you know, in the end, Busquets, Pique, Lewandowski, these guys have been through it all. Um, I also think to some degree, I, I wonder, th- I-, I felt like in the approach of this game, Xavi loaded so much pressure on this Barcelona team with obviously the refereeing from the first leg, which we, know, yeah. we-, we talked about. Um, that didn't help. Uh, and and I-, I thought they were certainly hard done by in the first leg. Um, at the camp now, Inter fans were, were asked, you know, oh, don't bring your don't team colors, shirts. don't wear yeah. shirts, which, you know, not, so not, not go shirtless. That's not what we're saying. Don't wear your team jerseys, yeah, your right? Kids, yeah. Don't wear your colors. Um, I, I, I thought you just loaded so much pressure on this game, which for a team that had actually not been playing great, Barcelona haven't been great in, in La Liga and, you know, in, in the last couple of games, I, I thought it was just the wrong way to approach it. Yeah, no. I agree. I, I, I just think we will talk about Piquet in a little bit. I mean, Eric Garcia is another matter. But I think there's a point where Sergio Busquets, as good as he's been for this team, 
in the last 15 years, maybe even more, there's a, there's, there's the time where against certain type of teams like Inter, who we're going to run, who we're going to run a lot because they will play on the counter. That I don't think you could play Busquets anymore. And I think he would have played De Jong. 100%. I would have started with De Jong and then maybe later, in later stages in that game, you bring Busquets on Busquets to, to control again the midfield and the, the rhythm and, and all of that. But to start with Busquets, which the first half was okay, but the second half, once Inter had to attack a little bit more, go on the counter even, even more, I think that the lack of Busquets activity and intensity just cost Barca so much. So the upshot of this, just to give you the lie of the land in the group, is that uh, if Inter beat Victoria Pilsen uh, at, San Siro. at the San Siro next week, and look, we've seen Inter screw things up many True. times yeah. in, in the, the past, League, yeah. um, then Barcelona are out. Barcelona are going to the Europa League. Equally, if Bayern Munich beat Barcelona, um, which is not or even draw, unthinkable. Barcelona need two wins. Then Barcelona are out. So it's definitely backs against the wall. And this is made all the more serious, of course, by the big gamble that they took. I know it's boring to some, but the reality is Barcelona did something unprecedented in the yeah. summer. Um, essentially, to make this very simple between Barca Studios and, and the TV rights, um, they decided to get money now from investors um, and sell a chunk of their company and they're going to pay it off against future income. Yeah. Now, Laporta sold it to everybody. Oh, this is necessary. This allows us to go and buy all these top players that we signed this summer. And this, and this will create a, a virtuous cycle because, you know, we're going to go and we're going to be good straight away and that'll generate more revenue and blah, blah, blah. Now I was skeptical because to me, the numbers didn't add up. I, I've said it all along. Others said, oh, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. My concern was always Laporta is not a finance guy. Laporta is a lawyer. He's a politician. He's a leader. They do have finance people who make those projections. There's a number of Barcelona people, by the way, who, who were skeptical about this, who yeah. wanted to go more with organic growth. The reason I was against it, incidentally, is that there's only so many ways to drive revenue in, in football, right? You can... You can increase your increase your commercial revenue mm-hmm. and your sponsorships and whatever if you're good. It wasn't really a problem for Barcelona. Barcelona is a massive brand, right? So, yeah. and, and we saw with Manchester United that once you reach a certain level, you know, even though United haven't really been dominant for the last decade, um, that side of it hasn't really suffered. No. Uh, you can increase revenue by getting more prize money if you go further in the Champions League, yeah. and of course that's great if you win it all. But yeah. equally. You look at where Barcelona, how Barcelona finished the season last year, and obviously you have to qualify for the Champions League. I don't think there's any question that Barcelona would qualify for the Champions League yeah, this season forward, again, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, they managed it last year with half a year of Koeman yeah. without the new signings. Um, and even if, you know, so you're gambling on, you know, getting even more from the Champions League. They've budgeted for a quarterfinal. The difference between a quarterfinal and a semifinal, it can vary because the formula is really complicated. I'm not going to get into it, but... You know, is going to be like 15, 20 million. That's the difference between the two. Yeah. They yeah, said, yeah. we need to do this so that we can sell out the, um, the camp now. Okay. Uh, maybe so you can charge more tape, more money, you make more money off the stadium. It's a big stadium. It's not always easy to fill, but again, you could also sell it through the excitement of Pedri and Gavi and Ansu Fati and whatever, plus some signings. Yeah. I think that's the road they should have taken. Um, they made a calculated risk, and now you're facing a nightmare scenario. 
Yes. And also, I think all this aspect is very important, and you're right, and this is the second year in a row, by the way, they will drop out to the Europa League. If, if, if it's not. If, let's be yeah, very yeah, clear if, on this. If they drop out to the Europa League. Or maybe they could drop out straight into the Super League. Them and Juventus play each other, and they're the Super League winners. Um, but it's your standing. You are, this is, we, this is Barcelona we're talking about. Despite all the financial problems, despite Messi leaving, this is Barcelona. Barcelona cannot, cannot not qualify two years in a row for the knockout stage of the Champions League. This is, this, this should not happen. And I think that this is hurt, this will hurt them if it happens, as you said. Financially, of course, and the, the loss of revenues that they would get and all of that. But I think for the image, this is terrible. Because as well, like you rightly said, now everybody's going to remind everybody about all those levers, all the risk, all the gambles that they took yeah. in the summer where they never thought this was going to happen. And we said from the beginning, this is a tricky group. But I think a well, lot of the optimistic fans were going to like, okay, but look at Inter, four defeats in the first eight Serie matches. They're not in good form. We should be okay. Bayern, no problem. They're, they're well, the best. But after that, that second best is for us. I mean, but I think, again... Because Barcelona weren't top seeds. Again, if, if you're talking about purely in the Champions League context, um, you've budgeted to reach the quarterfinals, but you knew you were going to get a one seed. You knew you were going to get a true, Barcelona. True. You could oh, have sorry. got Frankfurt. True. Or you could have gotten Manchester City. Yeah, yeah true. Right? And then you, you get a second seed, and then and then you play Bayern or Manchester City in the round of 16, and you're not going to be favored. So the, the, it was always, it was always a risky. far yeah, more yeah, risky yeah, yeah, approach, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, that, that, that people realized. Um, I'm a huge fan of Xavi. I was a fan of, I'm a fan of him uh, as a person. I had the privilege of speaking to him and so on. Um, but I also think in this game, we talked about it briefly before, he got some of the approach wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of the focus is on defending. I want to ask you this question off the top, right? Barcelona have conceded one goal in La Liga in nine games. Yeah. And then they've conceded six goals in four games in the Champions League. Is there a certain schizophrenia there between the two? Or is it all just down to the fact that no Araujo, no Jules Koundé? No uh, I, yeah, although, I mean, I think Christensen belongs in a slightly different bracket. Yeah, yeah, than yeah those no, no, two. of course, but still, you still have to play them, yeah. Garcia and Pique. And then when you play Eric Garcia and Pique in a game like this, it all falls apart. Yeah. Did they... I mean, should they have made some adjustments to get them some more help on the day, on the pitch, maybe set up slightly differently in mid midfield or, or, or something? Or I mean, yes and no. I think I don't. I, I think to be fair to Xavi, there were there were just not many options there. You know, without Christensen, Kunde Arojo. By the way, Kunde and Arojo, who you lost in the international break, so it's not. It's, I think it must be even more. Um, annoying and gutting for a club and for a manager to see your players going in, going away with the national team, which is great. They have to, and that means they're the best. It shows they're the best. But then getting hurt there and not being able then to play them in such a crazy schedule like the one we have this season. But then unless you play, I don't know, Sergio Roberto or a kid from La Masia, you only have Piqué and Garcia available, so you play them. Hey. I think Testegen has been Superman for them this season. He saved 19 of the 20 shots that he faced in, in the league and that the only one that went in is the goal but there's a point where even he can't save you anymore no. there's a and, point and where they're fortunate that Ter Stegen's back on this level yeah, because this exactly. is the other thing because Very it wasn't a long ago there were people who wanted Ter Stegen out because yeah. you know his level had clearly dropped Completely. and now he's back to being for me there was one point where Ter Stegen was one of the top five keepers in the world I think arguably you could put him in that bracket again, again right now, now. 100%, um, 100%. on the on the PK point I don't want to belabor this but 
Jared Piquet, I think, played the first two games of the season, and then he disappeared, and he didn't play at all. And I, it's always difficult, right? Xavi, Jared Piquet were teammates, like yeah, they're, good with friends. they're friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in the thought process because clearly there's an element. I thought there was an element of rust with Piquet leaving hey, aside. He's not good enough anymore. He's not even rusty. He's just not good enough anymore. He's never been the most mobile, right? Even less high his age now, and even more without the game time because he had no game time. There's no rhythm to his game. And for me, but why not give him the game time? Why not give him the game time? Give him more game time because he was never supposed to play. My theory, Gab, is that he's only in that squad because during the pandemic, when they extended all those deals to kind of you know make cuts in the wages right. and everything, defer wages. wages. They also took cuts too. Yeah, cuts and yeah. cuts and defer, def, deferring, deferments, deferrals, deferrals. The, that's the only reason why he's still at that club. It's because they said to him, "Okay, we're going to extend your deal, but you're going to take less money. You're going to defer your wages, blah blah blah." Otherwise, he should not be there anymore. It's not. I mean, it's not. He was a great player, amazing player. He just can't play there anymore. And for me, his mistake on the Barrella goal, which is one of the biggest mistakes we will see at this level this season where he's got no awareness. He doesn't even know that Barella is with him. But yeah, he's, he's got the cockiness of saying like, yeah, yeah, we've got this. Let the ball go through to, t- oh, oh no. I, I mean, I, because, because if you don't have the legs anymore, like he has, if you don't have the rhythm anymore, like he has, at least usually at that level, you've got the intelligence and the awareness. And at least look at Thiago Silva, you comp- or even Sergio Ramos, you compensate yeah. all that, all the, all what's lacking by your intelligence I, and the awareness. Look, anybody can make a mistake at any time, right? But, but that is the part that's worrying. That was a mental error. And that's not something that you're accustomed to see from, from a veteran like that. Yeah. You know, I can accept him being slower and whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. You know, time passes for, time is undefeated, as, as Rocky Balboa famously said. I, I don't want to keep picking on Eric Garcia, though. But, <laughs> but, like he does it. not have the excuse of time. No. Nope. The defending on the Lautaro thing, on, on, on the Lautaro goal. Unreal. I, I, I know the focus is going to be on Pique, and I can understand you throw Pique and Busquets out of the bus because they're the older players and whatever. But what is this guy's problem? What, what, what is that with, with Lautaro Martinez? I mean, this is a fair matchup, right? Lautaro Martinez is not big and nope. strong, right? He's quick, but then so is Eric Garcia. This should have been a perfect matchup. And to see that kind of defending... I'm the, what, what's his brain for? He doesn't have the excuse of being 34 and having to go away with, with the, the Shakira. Yeah, I just don't think he's a Barca player. I don't think he's good enough. He's only there because he went to La Masia. They lost him to City. They thought we're going to bring him back like we brought Piquet back from United and look how well that worked. So we're going to do the same. And yeah, Luis Enrique also picks him too. I know. So clearly they see something in him that, that they, you, I, we don't. I don't know. Yeah, but for him, for that ball to come from... Inter's right inside, right hand side, right wing, towards Lautaro at the edge of the box, and for for Garcia not to be even looking at the trajectory of the ball, but just looking basically at the face of Lautaro, not knowing where the ball is behind him, almost like if you're playing basketball and you're defending on you're, the other side, yeah, yeah. and you just have to be there to make sure that you know your guy's going to get the ball and then he's going to die, but not like this. So then Lautaro chests the ball down. And Garcia is surprised because he didn't see the ball coming because he was not looking at the ball. How can you not look at the ball? I, I thought that was frankly uh, a Paul. You know, I did not expect even with that back four, which includes you know Marcos Alonso and Sergio Roberto, yeah. that that those two guys would actually be the 
the real issue on the night. I, no. I thought Sergio Roberto was was okay. I thought Alonso, yeah, you know, did well. his part. Yeah. Um, further up the pitch, I think there's a Lewandowski issue, not because of Lewandowski, but because of the service he receives mm. in again. the first leg. Again, yeah. Again, yeah. In in the first leg, he was kept quiet. I I, I think you know he had a couple touches and whatever. In this leg, yeah, he had the two goals, one at the end and whatever. But I feel like a lot of it was he had to create his own shots. And so this speaks to the supporting cast. And on paper, mm. Rafinha, Dembele, Pedri, Gavi, there is a lot of talent to set him up. Yeah. And yet it doesn't happen. I think we need to give credit for the way uh, Inter, Inter, Inter defended, yeah, yeah. especially I thought Bastoni and Skriniar had, had pretty yeah. monstrous games. Yeah, I thought yeah. Onana was very good too. But is something amiss here? What could they have? There's been a lot of focus on Rafinha and Dembele both wanting to play on the right. Mm-hmm. For my money, I think it's time. Ansu Fati is fit. I, I I think Rafinha and Dembele are good players, although I think Dembele is inconsistent, and I don't think Rafinha is a second coming of Neymar. I think Ansu Fati could be one day. Yeah. Why isn't he on the pitch? Maybe. From the start, I mean. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're still... Uh, question marks, or maybe there's still a bit of a concern around his fitness if he was to play 90 minutes in a game of this intensity. You know, I think he might well play. Well, not the weekend because it's the classic. Well, we, sorry, we say a game of this intensity and it turned into a very intense game. But you knew what the script was going to be. You knew the script yeah, was going to yeah, be yeah, yeah. Inter no, defending true. and Barcelona a ton of the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's true. If I have a guy who can win the one-on-ones, who's comfortable playing on the left, who is far less predictable than Dembele, I'm just saying Dembele and Rafinha are, are, are predictable, but Surely Ansu Fati gives you a different dimension yeah, yeah, yeah. than those two. I don't know. Right. Maybe we have, we have, we don't really know his current level. Maybe at training, you know, he's not performing. Maybe the, the data that they have from training or from the 15 minutes, 20 minutes that he plays down there are not convincing. I don't know. I did, I did wonder yesterday why not bring him on earlier even. Um, the issue I have with Dembele and Rafinha is that, and we said it after the game at the San Siro last week, that there was just, apart from the Dembele plan, there was no other plan. And I think that you can't just always cross the ball. He worked on Lewandowski's second goal. It was a good header, kind of. But, but apart from that, in your patterns of plays with the ball, I don't think there's enough. There's enough. You don't, I don't think that you um, penetrate in, like from, from a sense of position enough when you've got Gavi and Pedri, who should be able to do that. I don't see enough... You no, know, one twos on the edge of the box, for example, with Lewandowski playing with his back to goal and getting him involved him in the build-up. It seems to be let's go wide and let's let's use our wingers and then something is gonna happen. And then one, you completely underuse the talent of Pedro and Gavi. Completely. You clearly don't trust Lewandowski as a holder of the ball and to play on no. him, which he can do. Maybe okay, Bayern he didn't do it like that because they had so much talent going forward. But I just, I just don't think, I don't understand what Xavi is trying to do attacking wise. That's, that's, that's my. Word. I mean, the the blueprint. You've got Lewandowski, one guy playing against three center backs, right? So yep. the basic blueprint is if the ball's on the right, and the other, then the other guy comes in at the far post, and so we've got two people there. But mix it up, get other bodies in. Uh, yeah, you know, Frank that's Kessie, why the young should have started that game. I'd also make a point that maybe Frank Kessie should have come in earlier. I'm not saying yeah, you yeah, just yeah. say drop Gavi or whatever. But if you're looking for a person who brings that level of physicality, which I think in a game like this you needed, uh, let's not forget, 
Inter's midfield was Barella, who's extremely intense, but is a little guy, a little fella. Yeah, yeah. Mkhitaryan, who's a number 10, who has to sit deeper. And Shalanoglu, who's a number 10, who has to sit deeper in this yeah. game, right? Imagine somebody with the strength and drive and intelligence of Frank Kessie Completely. just rampaging through there. Again, just give it a different look. And, they, and there was none of that. It was almost like you're making a philosophical statement by, by, by this, this predictable passing the ball sideways, which it doesn't even, it doesn't even become passing the ball sideways. You know, yeah. you, you know, people have said, oh, Pedro Gavi, oh, it's like Xavi Iniesta. No, it's not. Well, it's no, not yeah, because yeah. Xavi Iniesta, they were in the middle, well, apart from the fact that a guy named Messi up front who created space for them, but they were in the middle of it all. Mm. Here, with this obsession with the wingers. Yeah. And I'm sorry, we're talking about Rafinha here. We're not talking about Garrincha. No, you no, know, no, no, what, what, right, what are right. we talking about? You know, what was interesting watching the game was how very, very rarely they used the half spaces. They did it well on the goal, and this, Mkhitaryan loses Sergio Roberto, and it's a good cross, and it's a good finish by, by Dembele. But, but it seems to me a little bit, and I don't want to be too harsh because they might win 3-0 the Classico, I don't know. But that a lot of the promises that we saw early on with Xavi in the, use, the way they were using the ball, the way they were moving, is not gone. And that recruitment, we go back to squad strategy, like recruitment strategy, squad planning, etc. To have almost bought a very similar player to Dembele and Rafinha, that you've gone away a little bit of the good things that Xavi did earlier after arriving at the club, with the ball, I mean, and the use again of Gavi and Pedri and, I th- and De Jong even more. And I just think, not sure that's the right direction right now. Uh, the Classico is coming up this weekend, which obviously further turns the screws equally. A win for Barcelona could put all this behind us yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, not all of it, but so I think it, they, they're still all to, to they're still all to play for. And look again, I go back to this. This is still Inter. We've seen I think few teams in the history of football have been as Spursy uh, to use <laughs> oh, a, a yeah, favorite adjective of the past as as Inter. I want to get you though. It could have been worse because obviously that counterattack with Aslani. At the uh, end. I was going to say if they don't qualify. Aslani, I'm not sure, can go back to Milan. Uh, I am, will never fault a young player for showing personality like that, for backing the, himself to score, right? The, is that the personality? I Honestly, I, I want to see that. I don't want to see... In Italian football, for too long, there's a culture about younger players, bide your time, don't take chances, def- rely on the older players, and so on, right? Here... He's through and goal. Like, well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? We what do you mean always... hindsight? He, surely he knows Gusens is there. Yeah, he could have squared it. Oh, Mkhitaryan, sorry, Mkhitaryan. He could have squared it. No, he should have. And that's why I disagree with you. I, lo- I love responsibility for a young player. It's great. Not when it's the wrong decision. This was the wrong decision to go for the shot. Even if it's a great save from... First, his first touch is, 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 is poor because he's too far ahead. When he doesn't even need to control the ball because if he squares it straight away, Mkhitaryan has a tap in. So first, control the ball the way he did is wrong, and then it's a wrong touch. It's a heavy touch, which means that Testigan can come out. It's still a very good save, but it's the wrong call. I know. He's, he's a young player. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a pass. I want to see people try difficult things. I just hope that Inter could <laughs> well, I don't, don't want to show any more uh, anti-Barcelona bias here. Um, on Inter, and I go back to remind people, yes, if you want to go and talk about there's no Kunde, there's no Araujo, great. It's true. Mm-hmm. I would argue that certainly in Inter's preseason plans, the two players who were missing for them from this game and from the first leg, Brozovic and Lukaku, uh, are more important uh, yeah, to Inter say, than, than, yeah, than Kunde and Araujo are to Barcelona. Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know what this says. I think it's, it says a lot about Inzaghi's relationship with his players, that they would rally around, that they would embrace this game plan, which is not a game plan for which they're suited. No. Yeah, you're asking... That's not his style either, really. It's not his style of play. You know, he very much went against it. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, it's easier to defend than to attack. Yeah, yes and no. When yeah. you are built to attack in a certain way, um, when that's all you practice to that point, and that's pretty much all you do most weeks in Serie A, to go and change it around like this, is, and you, you know, you... You become almost like Simeone. I, I, I think is a big, big ask, yeah. and I think we need to give credit Massive. to uh, uh, to Inzaghi Let's not for forget that. That they went into that that reverse fixture last week on in bad form, in crisis. There were even question mark about his own future. Oh yeah, despite signing a new deal uh, in the summer, they won that first game. You know, again with very low XG, that goal from Chalanoglu. Anything you want, a bit of luck with the referee's decision, all of that. Then they go to Sassuolo, they win. Then this, okay, this could feel like a could feel like a defeat, maybe because they should have won. For me, I see this as a win for them. And and everything is turned. And I think it deserves a lot of credit. And I think the players as well. And when you see the reaction, well, on the third goal, because they they thought that was the winner uh, of all the staff and all the subs all running onto the pitch to to jump on on. You know, the players who were on the pitch, I thought it was great. And it showed that the team spirit is there. I remember the DiMarco celebration at full time in the reverse fixture when he went and like shook in Zaghi and said, like, they were so happy as a, as a unit. And, and I think this, maybe they should play Barcelona every week. <laughs> I, I like to the, it's not quite outside the box, but obviously Onana just. He listened realized, to you. He listened, Inzaghi listened to you. I, well. First of all, playing on Anna, sticking with Anna in the Champions League. I, with all due respect for Andanovic, I don't know that I need to see him play and say, yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I, yeah, I think Onana's think are, But, you know, just what Onana has been through, right? This is a this is a guy who came through the ranks at, at, at Barcelona. Yeah. This is a guy, obviously, he had the, 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 the suspension, the issues at, uh, at Ajax. Mm-hmm. To come back in this and to have the foresight, the awareness to go and, and just hit that ball long to realize people are out of position. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty special. I mean, that, 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 and he's still a young goalkeeper too. Yeah, he's still young. And on his line, he's, he's got incredible reflexes at times. He's made mistakes, of course, like a lot of young goalkeeper, but his distribution is what I think stands him apart from a lot of other goalkeepers. And on Wednesday night in the Champions League, we saw the incredible ball from Diogo Costa to, um, for the for the first to Galeno for the for the Galeno sorry for the first Porto goal which was outstanding. But for me, you're right. The Onana one for Lautaro on the Gusen's goal is even even better. And and when you've got someone like that, which Handanovic doesn't have the same qualities, he brings you something else. But I think for an Inzaghi side, there's no doubt that Onana is a much better option than Andanovic. Final point on Inzaghi at the end when he sends on all the, the wing-backs, Gorsons and Villanova. Yeah, four or five together. Uh, I mean, again, I thought that was kind of thinking outside yeah. the box very, very much. I've got these guys who are, you know, Villanova is ridiculously fast, yeah. Gorsons ridiculously uh, direct. Gorsons is a horrible time uh, at Inter. But again, exploiting the situations, That's thinking true. like that, having that flexibility. I said this before about Inzaghi, right? He doesn't have his brother's personality. He's when he speaks, he seems a little bit, a little bit goofy, yeah. kind of like, like you know the dorky, insecure kid. But I think there's a lot there, and there's a lot there in terms of personality. And I think he showed it.
All right, enough Barcelona and Inter. How about some quick hits instead? Go, Gav. Chelsea beat Milan 2-0 at San Siro. Jules, I know Milan are annoyed by the Tamari penalty and sending off. We can, talk, can we talk about the football first? Yeah. Because I thought Chelsea destroyed them over two games. They had absences, but this was emphatic. So some love for Graham yeah. Potter, please? Yeah, some love for Chelsea and Potter, for Mason Mount as well, who I thought was outstanding. It in both you, games. In both games. It helps you, of course, when... In that game itself, you, when you play with 11 against 10 for you know, more than an hour, but still overall, and you don't always have to play well to be dominant. You can just make the most of your opposition's mistake, the mistake that you force the opposition to make by the way you play. And that's certainly what Chelsea have done. So well done to them. And I think the Potter, Potter process is taking shape and good shape. And okay, Gab, it's a lot about that penalty and the red card for tomorrow. So where do you stand on it? Um, I think the penalty was was soft, but I don't think it's scandalous to give it. Um, I think there's a misconception about the red card itself because I've heard people say, well, if you're going to give the penalty, you have to send him off because he doesn't play the ball because that's what it says in the laws of the game. Referees do not simply referee based on what it says in the laws of the game. There is room for discretion for them, Mm -hmm. and that discretion is guided by the directives they're given by uh, by their head of referees, in this case UEFA, but also FIFA with, with IFAB. So that rule about the penalty on the red card if you don't play the ball is specifically designed for situations where you know a defender rugby tackles the other yeah. guy or, or, or whatever. That's not what happened here. And referees were told that there would be that they should apply a high bar to, to this kind of situation to send somebody off. I saw no need to send them off. I thought a yellow would have been uh, more than sufficient. Um, funnily enough, it occurred to me if if the goalkeeper Tatarusano had known that tomorrow was going to be sent off, why not just let Mount score? Yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah, go yeah. eleven v eleven. Maybe. Paris Saint Germain and Benfica draw one one. Jules, I think it got lost in all oh. the Mbappe hype, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Shouldn't they be a little bit concerned about first place in the group? Because it's going to come down to goal difference. Well, goal difference is equal right now. Come down to goal scored. Yeah, or, or maybe to the Juventus uh, clash with Benfica and with PSG then. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming I'm, Juventus lose all the games. Yeah, sure, sorry, could sorry. lose everything. I'm more concerned about how poor or very average this PSG team was without Messi, without Nuno Mendes, who brings verticality to that team, which Bernard doesn't really bring. Um, I'm a bit worried that they're not playing well. That they they look tired and they might have been tired because Galchi didn't really rotate much so far this season. There's obviously the classic against Marseille on Sunday. There's very important games coming after that. Uh, yeah, and yeah. just the vibe is not good right now. And as you said, Gab, Kylian Mbappe, it's all about him right now. He says that he feels betrayed by PSG and that he's ready to leave the club as early as January. I feel like I've talked about it nonstop, Gab, so it's your turn now to tell us what you think. <laughs> so, well, one thing I made is that Mbappe has all the leverage here. Um, I, know I wrote a column about this. He looked like yeah, I, so. keeping my treasure, plugging my columns. Mbappe and Holland, the big difference is they have far more leverage than Cristiano and Messi had at their age because of the way they set up their contracts, right? Yeah. Uh, Holland with, with the clause, which, well, Pep says doesn't exist, but yeah, then, we know he does. but then you know, does it not exist now because it only kicks in twenty twenty four? Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, and also Mbappe taking this two plus one deal, right? He is, he's the guy in charge. Hmm. Uh, why he's unhappy? So I've read so much stuff. You can tell me what's true, what's not, what you think is true, what's not about Galtier and Luis Campos and Antero and all this stuff. 
The bottom line, though, is that I don't understand why you would flex your muscle now in this situation. If you also have a World Cup coming up as well, by the yeah. way. Um, what are you so wound up about? If, if the moment France either win the World Cup or get eliminated yeah. uh, during the World Cup, Mbappe says, oh, guess what? I'm unhappy with Luis Campos and Neymar and Galtier, whatever, right? And I want to move now. Nothing changes, right? No, that's true. Nothing think, changes. So why bring this up now? Because I think he's had enough. It got to the point where this was brewing. And it got to a point where he exploded and he had to, I think, he had to make it known, basically. This is, this why? is what happened. Because, because I think he wanted... Maybe people to know why he was not enjoying his football right now, why he was not well, happy. Who cares why you're not enjoying your football? You're, 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 you're a professional footballer. Yeah. You're hurting yourself by doing this now because now you're going to create all these other distractions that are going to spill over with France. He doesn't see it as distraction, though. He doesn't think that this is hurting himself. He thinks that it's actually good that this is out there because now other clubs are aware that he wants to go and maybe some will come for him. Oh, because they wouldn't notice that nobody has his well, mom's no, it's number. it's not that. But like, I think, you know, I think... He... They wouldn't come for him in January if he says this after the World Cup. No, I, but, I mean, maybe he would, but I... after the World Cup, when he would not have been with PSG for six weeks, potentially, it could, you could also say the same thing like, well, you know, why saying it now after the I... World Cup? I don't know. I just think, I mean, you, we know how it is. I... It's a lot about him anyway. It's, it always yeah. is and it will always be, so... More good news for Paris Saint-Germain. They've been accused of hiring an agency to conduct a social media smear campaign against Mbappe. Jules, did they hire Bartomeu as a consultant? Well, it's a tip. But funnily enough, that company they hired is based in Catalonia. So, I mean, for all we know, it might be the same one as the one Barcelona and Bartomeu used a few years ago. I don't know. They denied this. They said this is not true. It was a smear I... campaign against Mbappe, but also Rabio when he didn't want to extend his deal there. Jean-Michel Ola has a Lyon and right. the enemies of the club. Crazy story. We, we need to know a bit more about it to see who's right, who's wrong, but it's just not a good look. Latic equalizer from Antonio Rudiger helps Real Madrid avoid defeat away to Shakhtar Donetsk as they draw 1-1 and qualify gap. This would have been another chapter in the Ukrainian fairy tale, though. It, it would have been, obviously, Madridistas, chill for a minute. Yeah. We saw Hazard. He rotated plays. He knows he's got the Classico coming up, blah, blah, blah. He just got the job done. First of all, just two things on this. One, I thought Shakhtar again, your boy Mudrik and uh, Trubin, yeah. phenomenal. Really, really. Uh, and Antonio Rudiger. I mean, talk about heart for heart of a lion. Uh, just such leadership. He's got to be a cult right. hero. Twenty already. stitches. It's a un, un, I've lost his that eye. collision was so hard. Oof. Oh my goodness. Adam Hotspur beat Eintracht Frankfurt 3-2 to go back to the top of Group D. Jules, given how the PSG talk must have depressed you, and you're always cheery, yeah. I suspect you're going to rather tell me about Hongmin Son's tickers than mistakes by Dyer and Kane. Yeah, I mean, that volley that he scored with his left foot on the Hoiberg cross was just incredible. The strength and the power, the balance that he has when he hits it, amazing. Clearly back to his best. Him and Kane, that relationship really put uh, Frankfurt to the... So the Frankfurt played well. They took the lead, as you said, Dyer mistake, big mistake, Kane missed the penalty to make 4-2 late. And it was a bit of a, you know, shaky end of the game. But in the end, it's a win. And it was, again, a very emotional night with a tribute to Ventrone. Liverpool beat Rangers 7-1. At Ibrox, as Mohamed Salah comes off the bench to score the fastest hat-trick in Champions League history in just 6 minutes and 12 seconds. Gab, Klopp must be happy. 
I think Klopp is happy. Uh, not, I know, not for the first I time. was on the show, though. Stevie Nichol was not happy, too. He said, until minute 54, he yeah. says there was nothing separating the two teams. Yeah. Rangers were very intense. Eventually, Rangers fell away. What I will say in Liverpool's defense is, was it Liverpool? Who, is it still Liverpool? Who, when you've got Luis Diaz out, Alexander Arnold out, Thiago Alcantara on the bench, Mohamed Salah uh, on, on the bench. bench. I mean, I counted uh, Robertson on the bench. Yeah, Matip out. I, I, I counted six guys out, you know, so... Let's be a little more generous. There are better team in Salas there. There's still issues. Yeah. There's still issues of confidence and whatever. Still not feeling Darwin Nunez. But, I mean, come on. It's it's 7-1. Salah looks up for it. Yeah. Sticking with Liverpool, Jules, I don't think Didi Haman will be getting a Christmas card from Jurgen <laughs> Klopp this year. No, very surprised by that um, outburst from Klopp. Uh, in the pre-match press conference on Tuesday when someone said, oh, Didi Haman basically said that you need a spark. And he went, Didi Haman? Oh, very respected, very cynically, he said, <laughs> very respected uh, pundit everywhere he's been. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, so I don't, know the, I don't know what the beef is between Didi and Jorgen. I don't I, know if there was, I didn't realize, I didn't, understand, I didn't know there was a past between them two. Right? It's, it's weird. Uh, fun fact about Didi Haman, 2007, uh, yeah. Champions League final in Athens. Yeah. I was in the press box. Guess who was sitting me? Sitting next to me? Didi Haman, who actually did not have a ticket. Uh, imagine oh, Liverpool so, fan without a ticket. Oh God, yeah. And he sat next on to your me. Lap? Oh, no, no he, he didn't sit on my lap. He is a big fella. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he sat in the, in, in the gangway. He sat in the stairs wow, okay. and uh, watched the game next to me. Oh, and, nice. uh, obviously, would have preferred a different result. Yes, of course. Let's talk about Perfection now, Gab, because Napoli beat up Ajax 4-2 and stayed perfect in the Champions League so far. Four wins in four games. Plus, Victor Ozyman is back. And you know what that means? That, that means, means the best is yet to come. Oh, uh, yeah, that first half, they were, they were phenomenal. Raspadori's goal. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. ripping it up again. Yeah. Uh, they, it was just the, the Chucky Chucky Lozano for the first I mean, great, great header. I, they play with so much pace. It feels yeah. like they have so many guys who can hurt you because, you know, we don't even mention Osimen's back, but you've got Gio Simeone as well. Um, they're absolutely flying. Now, yeah. can this continue? Will it continue? Who cares? Enjoy it for now because sure. uh, it's incredible. And I think I think they, they taught a lot of people a lot of lessons, as I've said before, yeah, about yeah. transition yeah. And, and, and how you cope with, with younger players. In the interest of equity, let's yes. remember that Bayern are also perfect jewels. They beat Victoria Pills in 4-2 and have qualified. They've qualified, yeah. I mean, And they didn't play in the second half either. They didn't so. play. They stopped playing at <laughs> halftime. They let Victoria Pills in score two goals uh, in the second half. And I think Thomas Muller came off not, not through a bad injury or serious injury. Uh, and there was no Musiala, for example. They, so Sadio Mane scored again. They... They got the job done very yeah. easy. I think they were swinging up with, within 20 minutes. Juventus lose away to Maccabi Haifa 2 0 on Tuesday and are nearly eliminated. Gab, Max Allegri, and Andrea Agnelli had plenty to say after the game. So I'll get to what they said. But first of all, I have an issue with Angel Di Maria. I have a major issue with Angel Di Maria. Uh, 10 minutes into the game, 20 minutes, whatever it was. You know, he goes, he touches his leg, and he comes off. I get it. There's World Cup coming up. Uh, and I get it, you want to preserve yourself. And I'm not a doctor. This is a really, really bad look. I, you know my thoughts about you assigning yeah. him. That out of the way, the question is, how do you react to this horrendous uh, situation? 
I'm not sure they, they, they gave the right messaging. I think they went back to the usual cliches. Allegri comes out and says, well, no, it's not about skill. It's not about tactics. It's just about heart and desire. And I'm like, come on, man. You really believe this in 2022? Really? Um, and of course, they said, oh, no. And now we're all going to go back to the training ground and we're going to stay locked in the training ground until the derby against Turin this weekend. Again, you know, what are these like methods from the 1950s? <laughs> Andrea Agnelli, okay, he said, we're ashamed, we're all ashamed. Okay, that's nice. Uh, it's the right thing to say. But then he says, no, no, no. Uh, this, you win with everybody, you lose with everybody. We're all equally responsible. 80, 90 people, not just the players, the backup staff, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that's the wrong message. Completely. I think that's the wrong message because you know what? They're not all equally responsible. You come and tell me that Fabio Miretti or Locatelli are as responsible for this situation, or even your friend Rabio, who's actually played yeah, really well, yeah, as some of the others who've been really poor, or as, as, as responsible as Allegri, who actually picks the team. Yeah. You think Carlo Pinsolio, the third goalkeeper and <laughs> local, you know, stroke bouncer at the club? What, yeah. is he as responsible of Chesney? I, I, I don't, I, I don't, this is the, I mean, I hope internally, they're not going around saying you're all equally responsible. Because otherwise, the players Surely are going to say, not. well, is Paul Pogba responsible when he hasn't played a minute? I, I Come on. I, I get what you're saying, but let, let's have a little bit more grown-up messaging here. Yeah. Marseille lost their first two group games. Everybody was talking about what a genius Ruben Amarim is. Maybe he still is, but the tables are definitely turned after Marseille's 2-0 away win yeah, uh, at Cavalade. Very good win. I mean, they, again, benefited from an early red card. Uh, Gallo after 18 minutes or yeah, something. It's, it's easier when you play easier. more than well, well an hour. Well done to them. Very much now back in the conversation to qualify. Erling Haaland is rested for Manchester City and they are held to a nil-nil draw away at Copenhagen. Gab, does this mean that they are Haaland dependent? Yeah. Oh, Erling, no party. Yeah, no, Erling, no party. No, it doesn't. Uh, look, they, they missed the penalty. They had the other goal chalked off yeah. for... A handball, which I thought was highly, highly oh, dubious. Yeah. And they went down to 10 men. So I'm not overly concerned there. Copenhagen had six teenagers in their starting 11. Um, again, uh, I don't think they really cared. I think they were thinking ahead, obviously, yeah, uh, to Liverpool. Um, but like I said, and I'll repeat this, even though I said it earlier, that image of Pep Guardiola keeping, you know, plugging Erling Holland into a massive charger in the back. And, you know, his head starting to glow as he, as he turns like, you know, from, from yellow to red in the yeah. back. Uh, that is a very, very, very scary uh, so, proposition. Yeah. And uh, yeah, release clauses, put those to one side for now. Borussia Dortmund are held at home by Sevilla and Jorge Sampaoli making his Champions League debut. Jules, Bellingham and co. will still be okay, right? Yeah, they're five points clear of Sevilla. They've got seven points. Sevilla, two points with two games to go. One of them being at home to City, who already qualified, who will go to Dortmund in two weeks' time. And probably Pep will, I don't know, rotate. And one point will be enough then for, I think, for, for Dortmund to qualify. So I'm not worried at all. I wasn't a believer, I have to be honest here. I didn't see this one coming, but you were, Gab. And after their draw with Atletico Madrid, Bruges have qualified for the knockout round after just four games for the first time in the history in the Champions League. Incredible achievement. Yeah, I think you can count on one hand the number of clubs who've qualified the after Gent just four games. One and that's it. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, so I don't even bet and uh, not just that, they also haven't conceded a goal. Incredible. Simon Mignolet saving everything in sight. Nice and of course... Safe. That great leadership from Mr. Champions League. I know you love that original nickname. My Belgians are so original with their nicknames. Um, <laughs> but 
so what I didn't get about this athletic game, obviously, you know, Simeone said it was always one of the best games we played this season. Yeah, you've yeah, got... They, the lot, they had a lot of chances. You have a ton of chances. You know what the other team's going to do. Uh, you know they're all the way back. You had the poor guy, uh, Buchanan, yeah. earlier, you know, getting sent off. I mean... Uh, yeah, yellow come. What, what, what do you... You know, you're trying to punch the goal, the, the ball into the back of the net. I know, man. You need a better solution than that. Oh, and by the way, people, we're talking about this on the show, like, oh, but, you know, you sent on Witzel instead of Joe Felix. I mean, at that point, I would rather send on Axel Witzel, who is tall and has a big head, not as big as it was when he had the bigger <laughs> hair, but still. Um, and maybe I get something and mix it up in the box on a set piece. Then Joe Felix was just going to okay, sulk and walk around in case. circles. But Joe Felix should have come on earlier anyway. I, I don't know. I, I think he's got such a negative vibe around him. Dinamo Zagreb and Salzburg battle to a 1-1 draw. Jules, this group is still wide open. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly well, for second place. Yeah, for second place, Salzburg, certainly. Although, you know, Chelsea only have seven points, by the way. Yeah, they uh, do, but... Just, just just flagging, like, Chelsea not out of the woods either. No, that's true, but they're still they look in control of that group. Of and then for the second place... Milan, uh, and so it looks like Milan and Salzburg and that game coming up would be huge between, uh, between the two and, and see who's the winner. If there's a winner, if there's no winner, if Zagreb can pull another upset against Chelsea, which I'm not sure will happen or can happen, then we could go all down to the wire in that group, which is, you know, what we want, really. Not a good debut for Xabi Alonso in the Champions League, Gav, as Bayer Leverkusen lose at home to Porto 3-0. And Kemi Demirbay misses a penalty. By the way, Diogo Costa, the Portugal keeper, first ever goalkeeper to save a pen and give an assist in the same game. There you go. Well done, Diogo Costa. Now, it's funny because Bayer Leverkusen played exactly the way I expected them to play under Xabi Alonso. Yeah. You know, very attacking, very open, creating chances. Porto played exactly the way I expected, yeah. given their situation, which was obviously all wound up. The fans angry, you know, can't screw this up. And so they, they, they score a goal, as you said, with the Diogo Costa, long ball and, uh, to, to Galeano. Then, <laughs> then, then they miss the penalty. Wow. Then they concede. Then Leverkusen can concede two penalties in the second half. It's almost like a stereotype Crazy. to talk about, like, oh, look, you know, bad defending Leverkusen, unnecessary penalties. Um, I think it's a learning curve for Xavi Alonso. He got the big win yeah, at the weekend. And, the weekend. you know, uh, now this. But, I mean, this is a bad, bad defeat. Yeah. Leipzig leave it late, but win 2-0 away to Celtic. Jules, they're already classic yeah, football villains. And now they can ruin the Shakhtar fairy tale. Wow. I, I, I see this as a total light versus darkness yeah, it is. Uh, clash. It is completely. And, obviously, Leipzig being humiliated, remember, in game week one by... By Shakhtar, uh, that led in a way to to the Tedesco sacking. So we will see how Marco Rosa does now. Uh, they were not great against Celtic in the sense that Celtic I thought played really well, had yeah. some chances when they hit the post and the bar in the same move. I'm not a Celtic fan, but I am an Ange. Yeah, fan. you're an Ange. And fan. I thought they, they deserve did, better. They certainly sure. deserve more of this game. They deserve more from this game. In the end, Timo Werner somehow with a golden assist. Um, so we will see. Uh, but I felt a bit for Celtic. I was sad for them because I think they, they, they had played well, even against Real Madrid, against Shakhtar. And to, to not have more points in that group is, is a bit heartbreaking for them. FIFA have announced, Gav, that they will compensate clubs who send their players to the World Cup by giving them $209 million overall, or around basically $10,000 per day per player who are away with the national team. This, this is fair, right? Yeah, and, 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 and this includes obviously the uh, the week before the the warm up as yeah. well. Uh, look, 
for some clubs, it really makes no difference. For other clubs, this really, really moves the needle. There's this, yeah. this, this, this level of, of compensation. that this, this starts adding up. Um, FIFA have been accused in the past of like, oh, but the clubs play the players and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, this is their way of giving back to the clubs. On top of that, there's also insurance if people if people get injured while on World Cup duty with FIFA play, paying the premiums of that or most of the premiums of that in, in most cases. So, you know, it is something that the clubs get back. Yeah. Jim Ratcliffe has revealed that he met with the Glazers to talk about buying Manchester United, but they were not interested in selling. Yeah, so were. he says he might buy another club instead. Now, of course, it's the same Jim Ratcliffe who, after not participating in the whole bidding process for Chelsea, then he submitted that letter about, oh, look, I'm an English owner. Yes. For, yeah, you know, yeah, choose me, please. Choose, please pick me after yeah. I haven't gone through any of the due diligence. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's getting older, maybe. I yeah, mean, maybe he's got too much money. He's not sure what to do with it. I mean, he's got niece that not sure how. But does he worry about that club? Yeah, how satisfied he is by that club seeing the start of the season and another club if you're Jim Ratcliffe you're not going to go and I mean no offense but you're not going to go and you know buy Brentford this I don't think this is what he wants he wants a big club so Chelsea's gone United is a no Arsenal is a no Liverpool I think we can say is a no City is definitely a no so Spurs Spurs is an option maybe one day when our friend Joe Lewis said that on his island, he decided to sell the club. I don't know. But I, I don't really know where he can go. Of course, yeah, you can try to buy, I don't know, West Everton. Ham. Everton, maybe. Is that what he wants? I, I don't know. I, I, I generally don't know what is going on in... But if you this... try to buy Chelsea, it's typically the kind of club that you want. You, I don't think you would settle then for a club that is not as big or... you know. I, I just hope that whatever club he buys, he doesn't come up with some nonsense story about having been a fan, right? Because remember, yeah. he was a Manchester United fan because I guess he is, he's from up north, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Is, yeah. um, then when the Chelsea thing, he says he's a Chelsea fan too yeah, because he, because he lived in... Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure he owns a nice place house in, in, in London. I, I, I don't know. If, he, if he buys Wolves, is he going to go and buy a place in Wolverhampton and be like, you know, my no, great-grandfather was a... Yeah. Ah, come on, man. Paolo Maldini says Milan hope to wrap up Rafael Leao's contract extension before the World Cup. There's not many days left to go. Gavin's deal expires in 2024 in the summer and they're ready to pay, by the way, part of the debt... To sporting that Leao, because of that um, that conflict with Lille at the time, has to pay back. By the way, Lille will have to also pay somewhere. Yeah. So again, we've mentioned this before, but if you remember, Leao was at, at, at Sporting with the legendary Bastos uh, back when uh, um, when when fans came into the training ground, uh, beat up the players. The club was partially responsible. The players sued for um essentially to become free agents yeah, to terminate the contract sporting lost out on all these contracts and then sporting took it to fifa and in the end the court stopped fifa sorry they went to a court in portugal i think mm. the court found the players personally liable now obviously i rafael Leal does not have 19 million or whatever it is uh lying around so. the question is who pays for him because Lille profited from him because obviously they signed him as a free agent and sold him to milan yeah. milan has him now milan have offered to pay 10 million reportedly, uh, towards this fee to get Lau off the hook for that. Um, and in exchange, obviously, they'll pay him a lower salary than, yeah. than what he wanted. Personally, I think it's good to get the lawyers away from you. Um, so, And I think he seems happy at Milan. So yeah, yeah. Milan fans keeping their fingers crossed. 
Mikel Arteta says he backs Gabriel in his row with uh, uh, Jordan Henderson. He says he can't say anything more about it because there's an FA investigation. Jules, can you say any more <laughs> about it? Because I just saw the pictures. I have no idea what happened. There's been no nothing leaked as far as I've seen. Yeah, about what might have happened. We mentioned a bit about it. We talked about it a, a bit about it. So on Monday show with Nader, and it seems that there's a loss of translation somewhere. That Jordan Henderson said that he said something to Gabriel. Gabriel heard something else in Portuguese, which Jordan Henderson doesn't doesn't speak. So I think the FNA has interviewed the two players, I believe. So they're going through their report and their investigation on what exactly was said, maybe what others heard, because there might be players who were around that kind of scuffle at the time that maybe heard exactly what Jordan Henderson said, or maybe not so much. So I think we should have, you would think now, some level of clarity. Yeah, pretty soon, I would think. I mean, how long does it take you to I, do that report? Actually, I am impressed about two things here. One is that neither club leaked what might have been said. And I think this is very, very yeah. grown up uh, So on, on the part of both Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, the other thing, actually, which I'm not impressed about, but what is Mikel Arteta? I mean, I'm assuming he was asked, oh, do you support Gabriel? What's he supposed to say? He wasn't on the pitch, right, nope. Arteta? Um, he doesn't know what happened. Of course he's going to support his player's version of events. Well, well, yeah, what, what, you see the question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you going to say? No, I think Gabriel's a big fat I think he liar. said, I can't comment on the whole Yeah, he thing. said, I can't comment because yeah, it's an but, investigation. Yeah, that was fair enough. Happened. More investigations, Gab, because Cristiano Ronaldo will not accept the FA charge for slapping the phone out of... A kid's hand last season uh, away at Everton, if you remember, yep. on your way back to the to the dressing room in an effort to avoid a suspension. Gab, when will this end? How come we still talking about this now? I know, this is absolutely demented. I hope they have an investigation into the FA. The FA investigates itself about why this is taking so long. Cristiano Ronaldo has apologized. If you recall, there was a kid who turned out to be autistic who has tried to take a picture of him, had his phone in his hands. Ronaldo was caught on video just knocking the phone yeah, away. Yeah, just lost that game. Knocking yeah. it to the ground. Uh, Ronaldo apologized, he invited a kid in his family. Uh, you know, do, does he need an FA ban on top of that, some sort of FA censure? I don't know, but don't just decide. So. You have all the facts, you have the video, you have the statement from Ronaldo, you have the statement from the kids, you've got 10 billion witnesses. Why is this taking so long? What, what is the issue here? It's crazy. Spanish FA boss Luis Rubiales continues to have issues with leaked WhatsApps. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> now we know which teams he doesn't like. This is not a good look. Oh, my God. Not when does this all. end? I mean, talking to his dad, WhatsApping his dad and saying basically that he can't bear Sevilla, Villarreal, and Valencia, the three, his three <laughs> worst. I'm like, dude, come on. You're the FA. You're, you're the, the president of the FA in Spain. You such a big role. You... Even if you think this is private, and it is private, of course, it should not be leaked. But still, you know, you've got... There's a, no, I, do, do we know how they got into his WhatsApp? Like, is he one of those weirdos who, like, uses... Yes. He's got the WhatsApp on his desktop computer? Exactly. And I think when the, the computer either went to an update or an upgrade, or whatever, I think this is when uh, someone got all those files in and now giving them to El Confidential, who, like, little by little, I think El Confidential, little by little, like published some of it uh you know we've but, heard before of his relationship with pk for example yeah. so that had that. news value right yeah that this value. to me has no news just, value just to the guy talking to his dad yeah it. this is i and i you know Lou Rubiales, not always as big as sam but no. in this case 
I, I, I think he's right. Yeah. The Athletic reports that the Football League is considering scrapping the three o'clock Saturday blackout rule, which prevents games from being televised here in the UK between 2.45 and 5.15, whether it's an English game or European game, foreign game, whatever, to protect attendances. Gab, your thoughts? And do you think that the Premier League would follow them? Well, it would be um, it would be interesting if they did, because obviously the Premier League games, I think Premier League attendance is run at like 90% anyway, yeah. right? So I don't think they would be impacted. Uh, you know my thoughts on this. I think this is completely stupid. Um, you've got the evidence of Germany, which has more than 95% attendance or something like that. The stadiums yeah. are always sold out. Yeah, also they, in the, the three top leagues, not just in the Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2 and 3 as well. And, and all their games are on television. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I think what this says to me is that if you have good infrastructure, if you have a good product out on the game, if you have a stadium that's the right size, you will sell it out. Um, uh, the argument here people bring up is like, oh, but what about, you know, and, and the fact that it's the Football League itself. So in other yeah. words, League 2 clubs who are part of the Football League who, who have floated this possibility who are putting it out to tender, I think, again, speaks volumes. They're obviously not that concerned about the attendances. So who are we protecting? So the argument will always bring up, oh, but what about non-league? What about, you know, if I want to go see, what's your local non- non-league club? Is it uh, Enfield? Enfield Town, yeah. Yeah, oh, but what if, well, will people stop going to Enfield Town if Manchester United is live on yeah, television? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a completely different thing. I mean, you watch a game on television, you go in person, especially to watch something like Enfield Town, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Shout out to Enfield Town. Yeah, Send us eight, merch whenever you like. Division um, awesome. You know, it's completely different. If you go to Enfield Town, it's because you like Enfield Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I presume there's people in wellies and dogs standing by the side That's of the true. pitch, and, yeah, yeah. and it's probably raining most of the time. Yeah, and right? it's £10 an entrance. I think, I, £5. So. It's completely different. So yeah. what are we talking about here? Chelsea will appoint Christopher Vivell, formerly of Leipzig, as uh, technical director. He's been in the job for two years, yeah. uh, Leipzig. And because apparently you also need a sporting director, of course um, they've been linked to Southampton's Joe Shields and Norwich's Stuart Weber. I both highly regard you. Shields has only been in the job for a couple yeah, of months, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way. <laughs> these titles are maybe confusing to some. Uh, so, Jules, can you cut <laughs> through the BS and tell me what this means? And, yeah, also, and also, how do you go from like, Manchi and Michael Edwards to these guys who may be good but nobody's ever heard of? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question, Gab. Uh, it would be interesting. I think the technical director, sporting director, one will be in charge of the women's side, the academy side as well, maybe overseeing everything. And then maybe the other one would just do the first team recruitment, scouting network, all of that. I'm not really sure if you need both. I mean, or you can have one and then the other is his kind of assistant, I don't know, maybe, or part of the recruitment team. I don't know. It seems like, this story is the gift that keeps on giving. It seems like we've been talking about this for 12 months. All the guys who, you know, snubbed them and said no when we thought they were going to say yes. And now those dudes who like seem to have the same profile, but then two different jobs titles, but maybe the same job or maybe not. I'm like... Uh, by the way, uh, the the Val thing, um, Leipzig coming out very hard on him, yeah, saying sure, like, sure that, right. you know, oh, I mean, they fired him. They said, you know, oh, there's there was a, an issue of, of of trust there. Yeah. What's also weird to me is you they'd spent all this time talking to Christoph Freund, right? I mean, this is all the same family. It's all yeah, it it's is. all Red Bull, right? Like it's kind of know, the whole thing is, really is is odd to me. But look, we all agree, yeah, it's good for they Chelsea, need, yeah, to have someone. 
Uh, technical director, sporting yeah. director. Yeah. Nasser Al-Kater, the CEO of Qatar 2022, says that all fans will be welcome and that it would be no problem if same-sex couples walk around hand-to-hand in Doha during the World Cup gap. Will this make the controversy go away? No, it won't, because he also said, look, we're not going to change our laws uh, on, on LGBTQ. Yeah. I don't have the power to do that, and the country doesn't want to do that. I think what's important is that nobody goes to the World Cup mm. and feels unsafe or uncomfortable. Some yeah. people will still feel unsafe and uncomfortable, and I think that's that's understandable. All he can do is try to be, I guess, welcoming about it yeah, while yeah. he's there. He gave the interview to uh, to Rob Harris from uh, from Sky. He also um, explained, you know, he said this again about the workers and the compensation and how they have they abolished the kafala system and they introduced the minimum wage. You kind of take his face value. Yeah. What what I'm interested in is. I think protection for workers is something that I would hope 99.999% of people can get behind, right? Yeah. Unless you're some kind of sadist or something. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, LGBTQ issues, you get into local culture and whatever. But I think it's encouraging to say, if we're going to welcome the world here, um, hosting World Cup, part of the responsibility that comes with it is making sure that members of the of the LGBTQ community, community who come here yeah. feel safe. So. Yeah. I'm taking this as a guarantee from the guy who's in charge of yeah, Qatar 2022 boss. that these guys are going to be are going to be okay. fine, and hopefully, you know, people will feel more comfortable and will feel reassured about this. Yeah. Julian Lopetegui, recently sacked by Sevilla, has turned down the opportunity to manage Wolves. Are you surprised, Jules, given who his agent is? Yeah, um, I'm not surprised. In this, I mean, he said like for family reasons. I mean, maybe the family didn't want to move to Wolverhampton. No offense you, to Wolverhampton. No. I don't know. I, I think his dad is in his 90s. Yeah, he's not, not well. Uh, and I think maybe you need a break after what was a successful but quite draining. It was time extremely, extremely draining. And you go from there to a relegation fight yeah, in a different exactly. league all of a sudden. Exactly. No, no well done, Julian. Yeah. Paulo Dybala won't be back for Roma until 2023 and his World Cup with Argentina is also in doubt. God, this is this is harsh. Yeah, I I, I feel for him. I, yeah, I've been critical of him in the past, and obviously, you know, injuries have always have plagued him for for a long time throughout his career. But you know, when when you got a guy, this could be his last World Cup. I don't think it was even hundred percent guaranteed that no. he, he'd be in the no, Argentina no, squad. Um, but you know, uh, you 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 feel for him oh, to get injured, scoring a penalty as well is. Cool. Yeah, and as for as for Roma, I think weirdly they might actually have a little more balance in their team. Obviously, with 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 Pellegrini supporting Zagnolo and and, and Tammy Abraham, mm-hmm. um, but obviously it's a big blow because he was their marquee summer yeah, signing. Portland Thorns owner and CEO Merritt Paulson has stepped down from his role following the U.S. Soccer Federation investigation into abuse that has rocked the U.S. women's game. Jules, your thoughts? This is good. This is a good step forward. Uh, he had no place in the game anymore after the damning report, as you said. I mean, everything uh, that he, I mean, maybe not him directly, but certainly what happens in, within his organization. This is all I care about. He's in charge of that organization. Everything that happened in there, we heard Megan Rapino. This week or last week, uh, saying that he had to go as well. He had to step down. So I'm glad that he finally did. He's not the only one. I, I'm expecting more others to follow and they should. And this, this, this should be a fresh start now. So you, you're hoping to get rid of all of the, that kind of dead wood. I think yeah, this I, is the only way to call it. I mean, I think 
originally he he said that he was going to take a, a, a leave of absence I, together on, with because there, there, there's two the two guys below him who yeah. obviously were more involved with the day today who you know they come out looking terrible from this originally all three of them are going to take a leave of absence then he fired the other two guys and then he said he's going to step aside now realistically the man owns a team right so he's like all right so i'm not going to be ceo anymore yeah he's still the team owner yeah he should uh, sell the he should sell the, the franchise like we saw in basketball uh, the clippers yeah. i it's a tough one because the reality yeah. if your goal if one of your goals is to have investors in football clubs and people are committed to women's football so that women who play football can yeah. have jobs and play at a high level and so on and continue to develop you know Merritt Paulson and and the Portland Thorns certainly certainly offered oh, yeah. that right so yeah you could go to him and say oh you have to sell the club but then you know the difference between this and an NBA franchise is like a license to print money so you force the guy to to, to sell the NBA team and you've got people lining up around the block people are true. not lining up no, around the block to buy NWSL franchises yeah, yeah so it's a difficult thing to navigate what i think is most important here is that he's learned from his lack of oversight yeah um and if we don't see him in the public eye for a while it's good i'm okay with him continuing to own the team and maybe coming back even one day i, I don't think he needs to be banished at infinitum what well, i think you have to take a step back and say the most important thing now is to have proper safeguarding Definitely. for uh for these athletes but equally you have to weigh that against having opportunities and people who are putting money into the women's game yeah. Daniele De Rossi has his first gig in football, Gab. He's going to take over Spal in Serie B. What do you expect? He should be good, right? I, he's, a very, he's a very, very bright guy. I know people just see him as like the gladiator type with a beard and everything. But he's a bright, thoughtful guy. He was an assistant with Italy. I, I wish him well. And, yeah. and I wish the Spal owner, of course, Joe Tacopina, very well. Uh, very well because, you know, he's, it's his fourth club now, I think, that he's owned. Auxerre are near the bottom of the Ligue 1 table, Jules, but that's not the only no. reason coach Jean-Marc Furlan was sacked, no, is it? No, naughty Furlan, naughty. No, at the game against Clermont at the weekend, he was insulted by the, the home crowd. Um, so he turned around and gave them the middle finger. And then as, if it was not enough, he got sent off for it, and rightly so. So on his way back to the tunnel, he gave them two middle fingers this time, as, it was, <laughs> as a goodbye present, if you want. Um, I think he would have been sacked regardless at some point, maybe not as early as this week. But that was the final straw, I think, for the, the, the club, the owners. They've lost five and drawn one in the last six in Ligue 1. They, they've been promoted in the summer. Uh, but you should not behave like this as a manager. He didn't apologize after the game. He said, this is what I do. I'm violent. I've got no brains. Like, I mean, come on. Dude, there's something very King Lear about yeah, this, exactly. this gentleman. The FA of Ireland, the Football Association of Ireland, so we have apologized after the... Um, the women players who qualified for the World Cup sang a song which references the RIA during the, so the celebration for qualifying for the World Cup. Sorry. Gab, what did you make of it all? So, look, if they felt the need to apologize, then, you know, you respect that. I was not familiar with this song. Uh, it's by a band called The Wolf Tones. I'm, I'm neither Irish nor no, Celtic fan. Uh, it says on Wikipedia that the song was actually written for Celtic Football Club on their 100th anniversary. I have no yeah. idea if that's true. Um, it's, I, this is such a hornet's nest. Like it's a complicated thing. Very. I mean, come on. I don't understand this. I don't understand these weird relationships between, uh, you know, United Kingdom and their neighbors. I don't understand 
you know, the IRA, they have a political wing that is actually in power called Sinn Féin as well. I don't understand all this stuff. To me, it just looked like a bunch of young women who were celebrating it. And this is a very, very catchy tune. I think objectively yeah, it, is. it is. And they sang the chorus from it. Uh, are people that bent out of shape and offended by it? I don't think they wanted to offend anybody. So it's no. right that they apologize. No. Manchester United have written to season ticket holders asking them to provide evidence that they attended games. What? Jules, what's this all about? Well, yeah, Gab, they're not um, happy because in the past, some of the season ticket holders didn't fancy turning up to home matches. And so that meant empty seats. That meant people, uh, other fans or the club were not happy that Old Trafford looked empty when tickets have been sold. So yeah, empty is always relative term yeah, Old Trafford because yeah, it's just so big that, you know, yeah, but there exactly. were some empty seats. So the club has said, you know what, let's do something. So they're saying to season ticket holders now, if you don't attend 10, at least 10 of the 19 home matches in the Premier League this season, you're going to risk losing your season ticket. And as you know, there's a big waiting list and all of that. So we'll give it to someone else. The problem is, is that now you've got your season ticket on your phone at Old Trafford and you scan, you scan your barcode to go in, but sometimes the scanners haven't worked. So you've been at the ground at the game, but it's not registered as, as you attending it. So now the club is saying stuff like, can you prove to us that you were actually there for the, uh, Brighton yeah. uh, home game, for example? And what were you wearing? So we can see on CCTV camera, it's definitely you, row R, seats 15. I'm like, what's going on? I, I, I can't believe it's actually somebody's job to go and do this. Well, part of me I says, mean, I bought the ticket. I don't need to go if I don't want to. And by the way, you can also get other people. Yeah. Equally, I want to say this. It's a nice problem for United to have because they also know that they have this massive oh, yes. waiting list, list for season ticket holders. They are so popular. That's why they can fill the stadium. Uh, and I understand also the sentiment of other fans who go there all the time and say, well, why are these seats empty? You know, yeah, again, true, we're not talking true. many seats, no, but no, no, still. No, that's true, yeah. Phil Neville is annoyed, Gav, that Inter Miami's playoff game against New York City uh, coming up has been moved from Yankee Stadium to City Field in New York. Does he have a case? So the reason it's been moved was that the Yankees are in the, in the playoffs and the Yankees are New York City's landlord. It was weird. He came out and he says, oh, I still don't know where we're going to play when this is his press conference last week when like it had already been announced we're going to play at City <laughs> Field. City Field uh, actually went on Google Maps. It's um, it's about a 15 to 20 minute drive, depending on traffic yeah. from Yankee Stadium. He said, oh, but what about the hotel and everything? Dude, what? Come this, on. it's not really not that difficult, no. right? It's um, Surely you should focus on the game. He did go on and say, oh, but there's a World Cup coming up. You know, I expect more. And I'm like, That's... the reality is, I'm sorry, like in New York City anyway, baseball is still a bigger sport yeah. than this brand of football, right? Yeah. And will be for a while. Yeah. So I think it's as simple as that. There's another argument about... Should New York City build their own stadium? Should they have been forced? Should they have pledged to build one? Yeah. That is a whole other argument, and I think it's a fair argument yeah, to make. Um, but still, I think you looked a little bit silly on this one. Yeah. Uh, Jules, this brings us to an end, but we what have to come back on Monday. Oh, what because a Sunday we are. Because we have the Classico. That's right, Paris Saint-Germain, yes? Against Marseille. Oh, and the other Classico, too. Yeah. Somewhere in Spain. in Spain. And, of course, Liverpool against City. Oh. How about that? Uh, Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself.